Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We have a juicy show in store today, along with a barking dog. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. And we'll take on some tough talks and help you navigate them. Lots of being real and how all of us can be part of the solution and sleep well at night. And I am especially jazzed as my first caller and I go way back in life and she's a childhood friend from the fifth grade on. So a big hello to Andrea, who's calling in from across the Hudson in New Jersey. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited, and we've been talking about this for a bit. Um, so give listeners a sense of what's been going on for you. Well, so as you know, um, I was a professional in the workforce in Manhattan for, oh, 12 to 14 years. I had a child later in life, and I decided to stay home and devote my time to her for 16 years. And she's getting ready to go off to college soon, so I decided to dip my toe back into the working world, and I was able to get a job last year in the same industry. Whoa. So this is so great. And I don't know that I've communicated how proud I am of you on this because I hear, you know, this is a trade-off for a lot of folks. Oh, you know, it's a, it's, it can be perceived as a bit negative. Woe is me. I, you know, had to, couldn't stay in the job role or whatever. And I feel like you were one really whole about wanting to be home with your daughter. And then the, how you got back in is just amazing. So could you just share with listeners, I thought I think there's a lot of folks, whether they're the moms or spouses or friends, you know, how you thought about this from the get-go way back when to tee you up so well to get back into the workforce. Right. So first of all, I never really went away because I kept in I networked and I kept in touch with my entire network. And every few years, if they ever changed a job, I would call and say, Is there something I can do remotely? So I also knew that I could do the job remotely because after 9-11, my office was moved across the Hudson, and we were able to work remotely. So I work in a paperless environment. I knew it could be done. And honestly, it took COVID and the change in attitude of employers to realize that what I do could, and what, you know, what everyone in my industry does, could be done remotely. But also, along the way, Anyone I met, whether at a cocktail party or, you know, a parent fundraiser for school, anyone who had any connection to my industry, I sort of kept a mental Rolodex. And when I was looking for a job, I sent them my resume and I got interviews. Um, so, that's, so that's part of it. And also, um, I, did, I had to obtain certain licenses to do what I do, and I made sure to maintain those licenses so that it, I didn't have to retest and reapply and become licensed again to do what I do. Um, and that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's I, I just, I'm the biggest smile. I just love how you 
played, you know, the long game to quote my friend Dory Clark, who wrote a great book on that topic. And you know what I what I sense is so great is a sense of confidence. And I want to encourage folks. Sometimes I get the sense people, women are like, whoa, you know, I'm going back and I'm I'm at home and they they don't you know, you have to respect that being at home with a fam with kids. You know, that's a job. I mean, it's in, it's one of it's the most precious to be doing it. And so think about your role in life and and not be arrogant about it, but just know how important and vital it is. And, you know, I think one of the things I remember you saying was, you know, when you're doing some of these quote unquote school support things, it's management. <laughs> so your ability, oh, yeah. I, I, think I put to, it yeah. on my resume. Absolutely. I put it on my resume. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So is, yes, I put it on. I, it wasn't just a gas filler. There are skills. It's a skill set. I put it on my resume. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. So just, that's a huge uh, shout out for folks to just stand tall in your shoes and look at, look at the skills and what you're doing for what they could be worth in another setting and, and be forthright about sharing that. So now talk to folks as you went proactive, how did you think about the story? You know, sometimes people are like, well, what are people going to think? They're a little bit more nervous. Just how did you craft the Andrea on ramp, you know, here I am, you'd be lucky if you could get me, you know, on your team. Well, so part of that is doing, putting out 110% in whatever job you have before you quasi retire to raise your child so that you're leaving with a good impression. You have good reviews. You're leaving people who would, and companies who would rehire you and and I think I was able to do that because I did get interviews with a former company. Um, and also just thinking through your story, you know, I, I had no idea what I was going to say in my first interview. I was very nervous. I hadn't interviewed in 16 years. So I sort of role played and I verbalized my story Um and as I said, I never really went away because I kept in touch with people and kept asking them, is there a position? And I sort of knew what was going on in the industry. Um, and that's, that's what I did. I mean, you do have to, I feel like you do have to practice before you interview. Great tip. Really, really great tip. Yes, listeners. And I, I'd say that um, I really reinforce that. It might sound like someone's winging it. They're not winging it. <laughs> so. So <laughs> practice is essential. Okay. So this is so great. And will you share, you know, a bit for folks of the journey and then, you know, you have a really interesting transition. <laughs> um, so the journey, I started fully remote, which was a challenge. I wasn't used to the technology. I wasn't used to three screens in front of me. All of that was new from the last time I was in the job force. Um, then we transitioned back into the office for three days a week. And then we actually had to stay home again around Christmas through March. Um, and during the time that I was home from Christmas through March, I was recruited by another company by someone I worked with 20 years ago who had an opening. Because I have to say, in my industry, there are currently more jobs than there are qualified people. And so now I'm actually transitioning, and I can't even believe it, a second job. Crazy. Okay. So let's talk about this transition because 
you know, the topics of leaving on great terms um, is, is really important as your point and uh, the reputation, but also being upfront um, about what could have made the environment better. And also just, you know, share with folks what's, what was challenging or questions you might've had about being as, as forthright as, as you would like to be. Okay. So I, I did take total ownership when, when I accepted the job, I knew that I would have to commute to a certain location. Um, eventually I looked it up on MapQuest. It was a mere 38 miles. What I didn't realize is that the drive would take me an hour and a half, any which way I went to get there. So, Transitioning from 100% at home to in the office three days a week and working between two two different workspaces became a huge challenge for me. And it was unproductive time. They were getting more time out of me working from home. I was very vocal about this. I brought it up in October. I brought it up at my review in February. Um, but the company CEO wanted people in three days a week. So when I say I assumed ownership. Yes, I accepted the position knowing I would have to commute. I completely underestimated the commute and I probably in retrospect should have driven to the office first before taking the job. So um, one of the biggest issues for me was the commute. Um, I do think it's going to change in the future because it's, it's an issue for a lot of people. I think they onboarded something like 50 people during COVID in my office and a lot of people find that they're much more productive at home. So it just doesn't make sense to have us waste time and money at this point um, commuting to the office. Yeah, well, three hours is, I mean, we're talking commute and then we're talking commute. I mean, three hours a day. So I didn't realize that that's huge time burden. So kudos for you for doing it. Um, and, and if, you know, if you will, I guess, sucking it up because that, you know, it's also not exactly the most be beautiful country drive. Um, so talk about the, just, you know, because folks are thinking, okay, you did a great job. So how did you handle the communication with your uh, first employer? With my immediate supervisor? Yeah. Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah. Um, actually, in October, I threatened to, com to quit over the commute. <laughs> And okay. she said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, we, we don't want you to commit to, 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 to quit. Um, there must be a solution. So the solution that they came up with was sending me to another office in another location where none of my team was located. So initially that was fine. But, again, it was the same amount of time. It wasn't as much driving. I could take public transportation. But um, then I expressed my displeasure with that arrangement as well again in February. So, I mean, I was direct, forthright, as you know I am, Marley, from years <laughs> of dealing with me. Um, I, I just made it known that it wasn't that aspect of the position was not working for me. Okay, and I'm going to be, let me ask you this, and this is hard because you're asking to put yourself in your boss's shoes. Do you feel that you expressed that in a way that landed, didn't come across as whining, or did you, do you think that you were perceived as, you know, this is a legitimate point and, and it's being raised in a respectful way? I think that I did, but I was quickly dismissed. However, there were disparities among team leaders within my group. There's another team leader who I know told his team, 
come in when you want. I'm not going to say anything. There's uh, um, my particular team leader wanted to follow the corporate protocol. I understand that. And she was not in a position to say otherwise. Yeah. Got it. No, great to respect that. So how did it, uh, <clears throat> I guess, come to a head and, you know, how, how did you communicate to your boss and how did she, you know, receive it? Did she receive it well? Uh, no, as I said, she was dismissive. She said, we fixed that. And I said, well, no, we didn't really fix it because there's a lot of unproductive time spent commuting to either location. And I'm much more productive, as is everyone, when they're home and I can get to my desk at 7 a.m. and work until 6 p.m. without interruption, as opposed to you're completely spent after a 90-minute drive or 90-minute commute either way. Yeah. Okay. I got it. And I'm just going to put a side bar in there. I get for folks listening that there's productivity. Absolutely. That is one dynamic. That's it's very important how much work we get done. Putting our shoes in leaders and put ourselves in leaders' shoes, the ability to appreciate that in the roles where people coming together, creating ideas, physically working together, um, and having the trust and respect of teammates building that does take some touch time. So I think it's important for folks to just put yourselves, if you were the head of a firm with, you know, 5,000 people and everyone was remote, that's a really, that's hard to manage. So I do want to just, you know, create some empathy for the value of us coming together in the workplace, right? Not saying that in this particular case, you know, you could really crank it out in a great way. But, you know, I think for you, the this natural um, solution came along, which I think, you know, to me, not surprising. So how did it go when you, you know, wanted to let them know that the opportunity came up and, and kind of have a graceful way out, I should say? Right. So I do agree with you 100%. There are times when people need to come together and it's really important to meet your boss and your boss's boss in person, <laughs> which sure. I didn't get to do until September. I started in April. I didn't get to do that until September. Um, so how did it, it, it came up at my annual review um, shortly thereafter. So I, I was pursued and I ended up being offered a fully remote position by a company, by the way, that doesn't normally offer fully remote, but they wanted me to join the company. Um, so I brought it up in my review and I would say my supervisor was very surprised. And... Mm -hmm. Again, dismissive. Nothing was, <clears throat> there was no alternative when I gave notice. There was no reaching out to me to say, well, maybe we can work this out. Maybe we can come up with a different arrangement. So that's what happened. Yeah, no, I got it. So from the bosses who are listening, and sometimes your hands are tied, hey, got it. Be transparent. It's important for folks, especially who have been delivering, the, how they feel and saying, look, I, I got it and I cannot do anything about it. I wish I could. I can't. The dis dismissive thing is one of the absolute worst words. If someone describes you as dismissive, like, oh, my gosh, you've got to really look up into the sky. The ability to honor the work that someone's done, to not show sour grapes. Okay, when anyone leaves the team, of course, it's an ego hit. It does not generally look good when people are departing one's team. I got it. So as the leader, 
you know, acknowledge, I wish I could do something. I really can't. I want to know you're valued. I want you to know you've done amazing work and take the high road as the leader. Now, you know, it sounds like this person didn't do that. So how, um, Andrea, did you end up taking the high road? Because I know that that's something that you really value. Well, this is when I consulted my good friend, Molly. What do I write on my exit interview um, questionnaire? How forthright should I be? How much change will my input actually make? And we talked it through and, and crafted answers that I was then able to discuss with um, HR. I don't think it's going to, it may or may not make a difference. I don't know, but I feel much better having said what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. And I, just to go through the process, it's really great. You know, the emotions are the emotions and they're valid folks. So it's, so write it down, you write it down and then do not hit send. Okay. So you read it and you're like, okay, wait a second. And find someone, a confidant, to go through this and think about what's the real essence here. This is where it's very hard to pull, uh, peel back the onion on the ego. And it's not about, at this point, it's not about right or wrong. And, and Andrea, you and I talked about the fact that the decisions that makers are the decision makers. You can feel like you're a part of the solution by just raising this in a way that says, hey, this is my experience. Here was the impact. Um, here's what I would have liked to have happen. And I think lots of times I hear folks, well, I, I don't want you know someone to leave on a bad note, um, so I'm not going to tell them why I'm really leaving. I'm thinking like, okay, well, now you are part of the problem. You are helping the culture or the behavior persist at that firm, which is okay if you decide you want to be a part of the problem, but I, I would ask folks to really own that. So I'm not saying you have to. I am saying realize that your action or inaction is something that sets the stage for all of us. And, and I think a lot of folks may not be thinking their workplaces are as great as they can be. And I just want to offer to all levels that you have a chance to play a role. And so I think the language, uh, a lot of what we landed on, I say, you know, if from my perspective, this is what would help the firm and here's why. And you take on an owner's tone. It's not a venting. Uh, it's just helping people share that experience and that you would want the best for them. This is taking the high road. Um, you enjoyed the time, honor the things that you got from the folks, even if you might be annoyed with a boss, okay, because they didn't respond the way you would have liked. Don't let that influence you and kind of follow that poor lead. You know, so I guess I might ask Andrea, as you actually did hit submit, what were some of the learnings um, that came to you as a result of kind of working it back and forth together? You mean with you or with my boss? With you? No, with me. With me. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to be as emotional in my responses. <laughs> Tone it down. Think, uh, pull back. Look at the big picture. How is what I'm going to say going to help the company as a whole? Um, you know, I'm just a cog in the wheel, but it's a big machine. So how is what I say and convey to HR going to help the company. Yeah. Yeah. And I think again, folks, people might be saying, well, it's never going to work. Listen, we can't control that. But if every single person out there starts to be more wholehearted one, and I appreciate, you know, the Andrews of the world, you, you sleep better. You feel like, okay, you know, I didn't just shirk back and hold it within and not share it with anyone. And, you know, when more folks do that, it becomes 
less easy for folks to deny that the experience employees are having might not be what employees employers think it is. And you know, I think in the case of a particular leader, okay, and I, I do think it's important, this is practicing the feedback, it might be saying, I know so-and-so has good intention and supports. I want to just be clear, I felt dismissed. I don't think that was intended, but that was also something that didn't help me perform my best. And again, the word is how does it affect me? So you're not kind of pointing at the other person, but you let people know the impacts. And you know, generally, I don't know a lot of people who are intending to be dismissive of other people and have other human beings feel bad. However, that might be an impact. Um, and it is important for leaders to get that sense of um, hopefully help them create some greater self-awareness. Again, we can't make that happen, but you know, I think if everyone's trying to help everybody, you know, from the top down, from the bottom up, um, that we can really create better work relationships. So um, I really appreciate your your thoughtfulness. And I do remember the first call. <laughs> You're like, I don't think I, I don't think I can say anything. And I was like, no, <laughs> you can't not say anything. So I, I remember being a little bit direct on that. Um, let's segue a bit because I, you've got a, a new opportunity and I'm curious having, you know, come into a new organization once you have the learning relatively recently, what are your thoughts about getting started on the best but possible in your new role? Well, I'm sort of I'm on hiatus at the moment. I haven't started a new role, um, but I'm very impressed with the organization of my new supervisor. I have all my equipment already. She's already planned an orientation group for me. Um, I'm doing slightly different work, so it's yet another intellectual challenge, which is good. Um, but other than that, I don't know much about the role. I do know the company is different in that um, all employees are owners. So um, I would think that would lead to greater teamwork and more concern about the bottom line. How's the company performing? Nice. That's really fantastic. Uh, I'll share just a few thoughts and we haven't, we haven't talked through this for, for, you know, folks coming into new roles. It is this, great opportunity to make the right first impression, not to over panic that, you know, we can make mistakes and recover. It's okay. But I do think um, the relationships, both um, with the immediate supervisors are obviously key and the team. Um, so the ability to be proactive about that, it's fantastic when companies have awesome onboarding, right? They're organized and, and they're taking the bull by the horns. Sometimes that's not the case. And it can feel like, well, I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting for my teammate. I'm waiting for my boss. And I would encourage that folks be proactive, develop those people relationships. You know, I'm new here. It's, you know, it's great to have the beginner's mindset. You don't know a lot, it, you know, own it. The humility part comes through. But also it's a confidence when you reach out and say, hey, I'd love to know what you do and, and learn about it and how it intersects my job. So I would say there's a body of work in that intentionally creating the deep relationships with the, particularly the folks you'll work the most with. Um, a second bucket is I often ask folks, you know, if someone, when you leave room, you go into a meeting, you leave the room, um, what are the three words or three phrases you want that other person to be thinking? 
uh, and you know, it, it's a range it, it, at the more senior level is kind of not gets the job done. You know, we are hoping you get the job done. So being clear on how you want to be perceived, maybe it's, maybe it's super strategic, maybe it's an innovator. Um, it's important to know in your own mind so that your words and actions drive that. Uh, so I offer that uh-huh. as something that you can think about. And then uh, the third thing is on the scope of work and just ensuring that there's level set because sometimes um, the boss thinks it's clear and it's not so clear. And I have seen people, they feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't push back and finding, you know, open, curious ways to be really clear on what great looks like, not in a, like if I do this, I'm going to get that. But in a real, like, I want to serve the whole, I want to make sure I'm hearing you. Let me, let me repeat this back and ensuring that there's clarity with a boss. Sometimes people go with a no news is good news. And that's, <laughs> that is not a great way to go. And so if your boss, you know, isn't coming back, the ability to reach out and say, Hey, you know, I've been working on this. I'm hoping it's landing this way. What do you think? And engaging in that you know, sometimes for the bosses who aren't as comfortable with that, being the person who makes it easy for them can be a real win. So let me pause Correct. there. How's that? I, I agree 100%. And never be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. 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 I think that that's a huge one. So one last thing I am curious because of your daughter um, and, and how you might think she's seeing this, you back to work. I'm just curious, you know, what's her takeaway from seeing you reenter the workforce? Well, I actually said in my first round of interviews for the previous job that it's really important for me to see her, see me working, using my professional degree, um, and contributing financially to the household. And she's actually taken a great interest in my work. She'll come into my office. She'll ask me questions. Dinner table conversations might revolve around my work. So it's been um, a win-win. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm really proud of you for what you're doing. Um, We've covered a lot. And if you reflect on what you're hearing yourself say, right, in the grand scheme of things, what would be your top takeaway from just your own learning or growth or reflection? Um, Not to think that you cannot get back into the workforce. If you persevere if you network, if you ask questions. Um, now, I, I know it's more difficult when you transition to a different profession. I stay within the profession, but there are jobs out there. Employers seem to be a little more flexible now with, you know, certainly work from home allows more work-life balance. Just go out there and ask for what you want. Love it. I love it. From the horse's mouth, folks, you've heard it. Super success story. I am cheering for you in the biggest way. I hope that I'm going to see you very soon. Andre, I just want to thank you for taking time. Uh, kudos to you for being part of the solution and you take good care and um, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Molly. Oh, so fun. This is crazy. Okay. We're going to come back across the river to the big apple and I'm thrilled to welcome Jennifer. Jennifer, welcome to say it skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thanks so much. Super to have you on the show. What, uh, what tough talk is on your mind? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. So um, I guess I'll jump right into it. So I'm feeling like, quite overwhelmed by all of the asks 
from different stakeholders of our group and other members of my team are also feeling that too. Um, and everything, all these like requests and asks are made, um, they always feel like a priority. So what we have tried to do thus far has been to put together a list um, and gone over this with all other cross, cross-functional groups um, to show the amount of work that we are tackling and ask them for their take on prioritization um, cross-functionally, so not just with their own groups. And in reality, this is a very dynamic list that grows and changes constantly. Um, so I'm curious, how, how would you re- recommend um, communicating prioritizations from the onset of future asks and leading with that um, or maybe as a response to some, an ask, like how would you recommend uh, communicating where I'm at and prioritizing that with what is being asked? Uh. My heart is so with you. This is like a tough one because, you know, it just, it's a little bit of the whack-a-mole. You just feel like everywhere you go, you know, like it's a new thing coming up, whack, 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 whack. Um, so I do encourage, uh-huh. right? Uh, I do encourage the metaphors for teams because it can really help galvanize the experience of a team mm-hmm. um, and then a chance perhaps to address it. So let's take the, the near term the near-term part of it is, and, and, and then maybe how we can address this more um, systemically. So near-term, and I think this is the hard part, especially if one is tired, not getting enough sleep, right? And otherwise <laughs> irritable, it's very hard. So number one thing for folks out there, and I know it may not, it may seem trivial, but the self-care, are we getting enough sleep? Are you moving around if you're a mover? Um, are you, you know, able to get close to your sort of good self, forget best self, right? That's on us and there, and, and it pays back. And so just know that, you know, dragging yourself into whatever that you should, there, there's, it's not an excuse. It's just, I look at, you've got to take care of you and your health is the number one thing. And I say that very seriously. So feel good about that. And that's not really up for discussion. You've got to do what you've got to do on that. And all of us have different levels of, you know, sleep and exercise. So First and foremost, feel good about that, right? And then acknowledging the person. So when someone, whether it's a phone or in person, the first thing, while it is, can be like, what's the task? It's just, if you can lean into like, what's the emotional state and what's going on? That's the first thing. And having the other person feel acknowledged is a great first step. So, so, you know, lots of times they're panicked potentially, right? So you're kind of, you want to calm it. You don't want to escalate the panic. Oh, Lisa, I get, I, I, I can see you being breathless. Are you okay? <sighs> so, you know, maybe they need a chance to vent, let them vent. Okay. So that's how you're serving them. So deal with the emotional thing. If they're yelling at you, you know, and I'm not saying they are for you, but just for listeners saying, Hey, one, one thing, Hey, I get, I get you're agitated. It's very hard for me to help you when I feel like I'm getting yelled at. Can we tone it down a little, please? Okay, so that is also very hard to do in a metered way without going, stop yelling at me, right? So I just want folks to know, this is 80% of being able to respond the right way really starts within and it's not easy. So having awareness of that and and the self-control is big, okay? So I think having clarity and sometimes people, they just want you to say yes, okay? So you could say, 
Lisa, I know you just want me to say yes. I'd be lying to you if I did that. Boom. Right. So you're like, I'm not a liar. Okay. Here. So Lisa, let me help, help me to help you. Okay. We're coming and, and you might just share it's coming out of left field or we talked yesterday. So just a little bit of level set. And this is where I would say short and sweet to just get to a shared reality on the context. Here's what I'm hearing. Go back and forth. Calm. Right. And then you have to make a call to the extent that you know your priorities or where you can put it, but help them appreciate. You're not saying no, it might be, we'll do it maybe not as quickly as you need, or just help them understand that by but you wanting this, this means Mr. Or Big Boss over here doesn't get that. So the question is what's really best for the organization? Escalating what serves the whole, that's a great question for you to ask. You may not have the answer, they may not have the answer, but what they might realize is, Jennifer can't just say, yes, I'm going to do it. So let me pause there. How's that landing? Yeah, totally makes sense. Bringing it back to escalating like what serves the whole, I think is something that would really resonate with this group. Um, and I will say that I don't necessarily feel that um, the stakeholders that I'm talking to are very agitated or I, I just sometimes think that they don't have top of mind what like this list that I'm thinking of. Um, so just bringing it back to uh, just like, again, seeing what's the highest impact for the entire organization um, would be helpful. Yeah. So, so this is great. Um, what, after hearing you, what I'm, what might be an interesting thing is you want to get them to appreciate what it's like in your shoes as much as you're trying to be in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so so a chart, color coding, timelines, even if it's not absolutely accurate for that second saying, hey, this is the world that our team is in, right? Um, so here's all the stuff in motion and you know, not, to, not to try to look like a martyr, right? But just helping people appreciate, okay, I've got 55 projects, some of the, you know, whatever it is and just having them say, wow, that I had no idea. Because what happens is mm -hmm. no one knows what it's like, you know, in your world because they're not in your world. So it is up to us to help people appreciate that. Again, not like you're asking for people to feel sorry for you or trying to be dramatic. Right. You're just trying to be accurate. And if and if that's a frustration, people don't know what it's like for me. Well, that's on us because they're never going to know if we don't help them appreciate that. So, you know, I, that when you have a lot of projects, sometimes that a chart or something can can just be like, whoa, well, that looks like gnarly yeah totally gnarly <laughs> so yeah, you know i think that that helpful yeah that's definitely something that i think the the um the folks can do so does that give you ammo to just handle it in the moment yes for sure short term um i think it definitely does i think you kind of like nailed it on the head at the end um finding that balance of getting them to understand what's going on but not becoming like a martyr or trying to um, feel like it's complaining um, is that balance that I'm trying to achieve. So um, yeah. no, it's yeah. great. Thank you. Good, good, good. Yeah. So that's great. And again, if there is something you're worried about, say, Hey, look, I don't want to come across being a martyr, right? Whatever I call it in the bubble, you're thinking in your head, find mm -hmm. a way to express that. And that can help them, you know, know what's going on for you. Now, in groups where, and listen, there's a certain amount of, you know, dynamism, that's great. 
but I think rallying groups um, and cross-functionally and getting, and I have actually a client that really, they have a really hard time with this. And because these projects, things change on the fly and there's different parts, different groups change. And it really, that's, it's, there's not a lot of science. It's a hard thing. Having everyone step back and say, hey, what do we want to have happen with this team? Forget the individual people, but our role is, and, and, and this is where the team coming together saying, hey, how do we want to be known? You want to be proactive, whatever, you know, and then say, okay, what is it that we need from other folks? Um, and I think educating other parts of the system as to the impacts, the, the reactions that happen and, and what other folks can do to help you so that you can best help them, but have that as a very open conversation and then a way to checkpoint that. You know, when you're growing, it may be a, a period, a small thing or, hey, we're in a real rough situation. So we're going to do something for every week or, you know, but figure out a way to in, involve the whole and have everyone feeling ownership so that it is like, well, that group doesn't perform or that group is a pain there. They never want to help. Right. You don't want to be perceived as that, even though you're trying mm-hmm. to be yeah. honest. Right. So that, I think that's right. The, the, the fine line. And then I think for leaders who are listening, this is the hardest thing is prioritizing, right? And I can't tell you the number one, I think is people like all we get are new priorities. None of the old priorities come off the list. <laughs> okay. So as leaders get asked, okay, is this doable? Right. Are we, are we, are we teeing ourselves up for success or are we being you know, delusional? And, you know, I think it's important that the team gets around, you know, we want to be pressing ourselves and, you know, stretching, you know, and trying to be our best, but we don't want to be, um, you know, like I said, delusional. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. isn't helpful. So, um, so let me just pause there. When you think about the larger system, Jennifer, what, what comes to you about how um, there might be ways to be more proactive than you are? Yeah, I think that a lot of times, um, Right now, it feels like there are just a lot of individual conversations, like whether that's me and my manager, my counterpart, and um, our manager, and like me and my counterpart, but um, talking about this in more of a group and seeing ways in which to address this more holistically um, is definitely a good next step for us going forward. Um, I will say, our, like, I do feel like our manager has addressed this. Um, just it takes a little bit longer for um, for them to understand the situation as well. Um, so even maybe just going back to your previous suggestion of putting it all down on paper and um, showing them first could put things into perspective and like drive that larger um, like group conversation. Nice, nice. Let's talk about that because I think this is an opportunity where. You want to do the right thing. You hear this thing, you know, no good deed goes unpunished, right? So bringing that up in the way for the highest possibility of success would be something, you know, all listeners would want to have. And so I think, you know, in hearing your voice, it's very metered. You're very um, consistent. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, my sense is there's probably a little bit more emotion in there and that can be a real ally. And so the excitement, the possibility, mm-hmm. right? To give yourself permission to be like, oh, you know, here's, I'm realizing that I could have come to you a couple of weeks ago and I didn't. I'm really excited about something that I think is going to help us work a lot better together. Like it's exciting, right? That it could be better. 
And, you know, managers, lots of times people are always coming to them with a problem. Someone comes and says, look, this is going to really make our lives awesome. That in of, in of itself can be a real breath of fresh air, right? So you could be mm-hmm. known to bring that and say, hey, one of the things I really want to own. So I want to do more than my fair share to help the team. And I know that I'm only seeing it from my lens, but I want to put this out there. And with your help, let's figure out, you know, ways that perhaps we can really help the whole team, you know, help our group look better, whatever you think the win is for the group and ultimately then for the Mm -hmm. whole. Yeah. Okay. And before rolling into it, it can be helpful to say, you know, I'm kind of curious if you were, let's say you have this whack-a-mole thing, but you might just say, you know, we've got a lot of priorities, whatever. How do you think we're doing in, you know, meeting the end user's needs, you know, providing satisfaction, just whatever is the right question for you folks and just see what mm-hmm. the manager says, you know, and say, oh, that's great. Why, you know, why, why do you think it's that? So you're starting to get a sense of where they're coming from before you come in with your, your thoughts. Cause it just gives you a little bit more insight and context and the person will feel like, Hey, they were asked first. And then you are able to tailor what you want to say based on what their experiences. And they may say, yeah, it's totally fabulous. You know, this is just how this is. Um, and then if, you could say, well, interesting. Would you want it to be better? <laughs> right. Yeah. And maybe they don't yeah. want it better. Or, you know, or maybe they're like, this is the worst. I've never seen, a, you know, and not that they're going to say that, right. You're not going to be shocked. But I, I think last time people tend to assume that what they think other people's think is actually true. And they haven't actually heard the person say it. So you eliminate that potential hiccup. Okay. So rolling in, then I think, you know, the ability to ask for a manager's help. Sometimes I think people feel like they need to have the whole answer and you may have a whole answer, which is great. And you may not, which is also fine. So being clear and saying, Hey, I've thought this through as best as I think I can, but here's where I think you could really come in. Boy, no one, people love being the hero. So give your manager a chance to be the hero and chime in and, you know, make the idea even better, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I think sometimes people feel a little bit too, put too much pressure on themselves. Um, but mm-hmm. coming up with the ideas and talking it through, um, having someone think about it in a new way, that's huge value add. Yeah. So let me totally, pause. What's, land, what's landing for you there? Yeah. I definitely hear you on a just like tone of voice, like being able to be excited to improve. Um, just group dynamic and group work um, for sure. I feel that way. And then another thing that I resonated with because we've already, I feel like me and my counterpart have already started to do this is um, to ask like for feedback from our managers, like how, how do you think we're doing approaching this, you know, long list of asks of um, projects. And I think, I got the feeling that our manager and he said it um, straight up that he thinks that we are doing really well. Um, And part of the uh, concern of us is that we don't feel like we're doing well in, um, in like crossing things off the list and getting back to stakeholders in a timely manner. Um, So, so that's kind of like the, the, the part where I guess I'm not sure how to handle is how should I, should I be like asking for feedback directly from 
um, the people who I work with cross-functionally um, to see if they think differently than our manager does, um, because it's possible that maybe our manager just knows what's all on our plate um, and, like, sort of, like, broadly understands what's going on, um, whereas, like, our stakeholders might not. Yeah, this is so great. So first, kudos for asking you guys asking the manager what he thinks. And so for listeners, I am curious, how did you exactly tee that up and ask? Um, I, so we have a weekly touch base. Um, so oftentimes we do talk about prioritization in that touch base. Um, and usually I'll start off by asking for feedback on just how I truly just saying, um, would love to get some feedback from you. Um, how do you think I'm performing on maybe X, Y, Z thing? Um, especially if, you know, like I feel a little bit behind on these things. So just wanted to see like how you're feeling about, um, timelines and, um, just like the work that I'm putting out. Um, so really just laying it out kind of clearly and asking, um, for feedback from the get go. And I don't do this every week, maybe like every other week or once a month just to um, really get a sense of like where we're both at. Um, and usually, you know, it comes back pretty positive. Um, and maybe this is where I should be sharing that, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel the same way, which is why I'm asking. Um, but usually internally, I do feel like I'm behind, whereas from his perspective, it seems like, you know, performance has been good. Yeah. Okay. This is so great. So let's, Let's work on the delivery. And I know we're, we're here between you and me. And so making this the event that it is. So uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, every other week, whatever the cadence is, so people know you're being very um, uh, regular about it. This is a, so great to just take a step back, a checkpoint to see how we're doing. One, I totally value the input. And, you know, we want to continue to grow. I want to continue to grow as a group intention, right? Because that's going to help you know, let's perform the best and get the most satisfaction from our job. Boom. Right. So there's a bit of declarative and you're framing it mm -hmm. and it's intentional and you're standing tall. Okay. So, and then I think in particular, and then being very crisp with the wording, uh, your feedback makes a difference because it helps us, you know, uh, change what we do. And this week mm -hmm. I want to ask two specific questions right? Make it really specific. You can put it up on slide, but mm -hmm. just word it so that you come across, boom, very intentional, very executive. And then person comes back, oh, so positive. Wow. So great. Really uh, appreciate that. I'm going to push it a little bit. What could we do to make it even better? One thing, just you have to share one thing that we could do to improve. I really, really have nothing. Okay. I can't, I can't do it. One thing that we could do that would just take it to the moon, push them a little bit. It's hard mm -hmm. for people and it doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? It can be something that, oh, this would make it even better because that's what we want. Yeah. We want that feed forward concept. Okay. So then that just makes sure that you're creating the space. So it isn't just a, oh, it's all great. Pat, 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 you know, <laughs> all, everyone's right. fabulous. Right. right. And then you say, you know, one <laughs> thing I'm really, I have this, this sixth sense and my intuition is folks in the trenches or in the other groups may not be so positive. Here's why I think that, right? So don't just make it up. Here's why I think that. Group's thoughts, what are other folks' thoughts? Okay. 
And we want to validate that. So maybe there's a way that the, the group of you can figure out if, if that's really the case, right? And we all have bad days, people vent, but we're trying to figure out, is there something that really needs to change? And use the, use the power of the collective intelligence of the group first. And then you might say, well, let's, let's just maybe once a quarter make the rounds. Maybe there's a questionnaire. And, and I think it's great to do this, you know, with people, not some blind survey, nothing wrong with blind surveys, but you, you know, when you take the time and you have some very specific questions, we're trying to get to this level of service. We're not trying to have everybody be happy all the time. That's not the goal, right? But then you control helping set expectations so that the whole thrives, right? The whole point is the whole thrives. So let me just pause there. How's that landing? Yeah. Um, really good i think just like reframing getting feedback going back to your first point um i think is great just being able to guide the conversation because i think sometimes it can be very vague or um just like you said like everything everything could be good like um giving me a pat on the back or whatever um, but asking about like, what can we do to make it even better? I think that's definitely something that I can start implementing. Um, and then getting the group together, I'm still trying to figure out like the best way or best format, um, for our group specifically, but I like the idea of, you know, I, I, I guess I'm not a huge fan of the questionnaire, but maybe, um, getting everyone together to just, um, have an open conversation about it, uh, I think would be helpful. Yeah. Are people working every day together or how, to what extent are you folks remote or? Yeah, good question. Um, it's kind of hybrid right now, so not required to go in any number of days. Although I would say our group in particular, um, most people have been trying to go in like twice a week. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say that use this as a fun, like fun, it's a fun thing, right? It's great. We're interacting. Mm -hmm. We're getting to know yeah. each other. And for sure, that could be a great excuse. Bring in lunch, you know, make it a, right, make it right. fun, right? Make it fun. And, you know, I, uh, you know, we're better together. That's the whole point of being in a company, right? Otherwise we just all work on our own. <laughs> so, you know, I just think owning that and, you know, if, presumably people, your people you like, you know, and it's, so it's hopefully that's, you can reinforce that and, and make it a, a positive experience for everyone. And, you know, having people feeling heard, people feeling that their voice matters and can make a difference is very empowering, you know? So if that's something mm -hmm. that um, this kind of thing can do, I just think you have a, a, a lot of, of, of upside there. Um, okay, you've been fantastic. Uh, we've talked about a lot. Do you have a particular top takeaway from our chat? Um, I think in terms of being actionable uh, with stakeholders, escalating what serves the whole, and with um, my direct manager, guiding the conversation and asking like, what we can do to make it even better, um, and being very specific with uh, asking questions and asking for feedback. Good, good, good. Okay, now I have a total random question and you're hope, probably going to laugh. When you're at work, how much do you <laughs> smile? I think I smile quite often um, when I'm physically at work, but I think remote, I probably smile less, um, <laughs> which is an interesting thing to think about, actually. 
podcast. So I want to put that on awareness because of the whole virtual. Sometimes there's video, sometimes there's not. And not that we have to be acting on the screen, folks. I know it's exhausting, but smiling yeah. is a very empowering thing within. And, you know, so there's a lot of greatness in your life, right? I'm just going to go on a limb. And there's a lot to be happy about and for. So, you know, I just encourage that brightness. And sometimes, you know, I walk in the streets of New York and I'm pretty smiley person. And I can't tell you, the people look at me and then the, you can see the sides of the lips kind of go up. And they're like, oh, you know, like, it's really not that bad. She seems pretty happy, you know? And, yeah. you know, I just want to encourage that. I can sense the level of you're very thoughtful. You're thinking it through. There's a seriousness that comes across mm-hmm. to me, which is great. And if you can balance that with a little bit of lightness and let it rip, make it happen, you know, we we're, we're a little light on aspiration and possibility, you know, in my humble opinion. So if you can be someone who's like all about a better way, we can make it work again, not being delusional. I, I just offer that as something to try on, right? Not that you have to change your personality at all, but that might be a way that helps you lead yourself and, and in doing so lead others. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think I do feel like I get like feed energy off of other people. So um, again, like why I think I probably smile a lot more when I'm in person with other people versus like cooped up in an apartment. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll, I will try that tip out, um, even when I am alone and, uh, see how that might change my attitude. And, yeah. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Things too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So I'm smiley. I'm cheering for you, right. To be who you are, say what needs to be said. And thank you for being part of the solution and sharing. Jennifer, you know how to reach me. Let me know if I can be helpful. Okay. You take good care. Awesome. Thank you, Molly. You too. Okay, folks, my thought for the week, as I'm a fan of Formula Formula One, it's from 24-year-old Charles Leclerc, who drives for Scuderia Ferrari. And after being the latest winner of the Australian Grand Prix, he shared, teamwork makes the dream work. And that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I am cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem.
Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. again for listening to the preceding program.